0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree. And a guy who knows how to work a DVD player. Talk to you about movies.
1: This week, I went to the theaters by myself and saw Aladdin. And then, both Dan and I went to the theaters and saw a movie that I've been incredibly excited for, the evil version of Superman, Brightburn.
0: Then we hopped into the time machine and went back to 2002 to watch the Zhang Yimou classic starring Jet Li, Hero. All of that on this week's episode of Brownie Points. All right, guys, as we do every week, Nick and I like to open the episode up with a little editorial segment, whether one of us sees a movie solo, or we talk about trailers, or we talk about something in the news, or just a topic that we have on our minds So we feel like talking about for a little bit. Um, we never like to just jump right into the reviews. This week, uh, Nick and I want to talk about uh, just kind of the current state of uh, cinematic universes. Um, and in my opinion, I kind of dislike that word. I kind of wish that we would keep calling them franchises, but <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, it's whatever. Marketing whatever you, whatever hollywood wants to do marvel kind of set the precedence for this uh, back yeah. like 10 years ago so um and because they made the billion dollars four <laughs> times over everyone wants a universe now
1: so even if it means rushing it and trying to make a universe within two movies
0: i yeah that's um that's definitely something that dc has hard, learned the hard <laughs> way um <laughs> But and dark universe. I <laughs> uh, yeah
1: the. <laughs> that was I, just one movie though.
0: It, yeah, like the the. What's going on with? I mean, I guess since we're already bringing it up, um, with them, that's not the. Clearly, that wasn't the way to go about it. Um, I mean, you saw all the DC films, right? Um, I've seen Wonder Woman. And there's Man of Steel, Aquaman.
1: Since yeah, actually, i I've, I've seen all of them. I, I thought I'd missed one after uh, Justice League, even though no, I've seen that movie two or three times and I don't remember anything in it.
0: <laughs> I uh, There's Man of Steel, uh, Batman vs Superman, Justice League, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Suicide yeah. Squad. And no, that for... is not how I personally rank them. <laughs> for,
1: for our listeners, I, I've told you this, Dan, multiple times, Justice League is such a forgettable movie. I went and saw it, and as soon as I left, I didn't really remember anything in it. But my dad uh had never seen it he he didn't go with to go see it in the theater and so he rented it and he watched it i remember watching it with him that was the second or third time i'd seen the movie i watched it with him two weeks later he comes back from the video store and he has it on blu-ray and i was like why did you rent justice league again and he goes i haven't seen it i was like yes you have i watched it with you he goes I can't remember anything in it he goes what happens and it's like I same thing I don't know what happens in this movie but I know I've seen it multiple times it's so forgettable you actually won't think you've seen the movie
0: I I don't agree to the quite same extent (laughs) I I found the film surprisingly watchable given the Frankenstein it actually is Um, with uh, Joss Whedon having to come in and pick up the pieces and do as much as he did after, admittedly, it was honestly really tragic what happened to Zack Snyder, um, if you don't know... Was what it I... his
1: daughter died? Is that what it was?
0: Uh, yeah, she, uh, committed suicide.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: Yeah, so, not quite the same as, like, Brian Singer getting fired off Bohemian Rhapsody, and then that movie yeah. getting Frankensteined. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, no, it's, it's not completely memorable, like... Steppenwolf was a terrible villain, and he looked terrible. Um, yeah. A lot of the CG in the film looked terrible, but I kind of—I don't know—I kind of bought into the chemistry of the cast. Like, I still, they had—they had their moments, but like, it's like a, uh, like a not a letter grade, like a B minus or not a B because we don't do that. <laughs>
1: I'd give—I'd <laughs> give it like a half pan, um, like a marginal single half brownie. pan, single brownie. The, I mean, the thi- the thing I remember is I remember liking it. But I didn't really find it memorable.
0: Yeah, but um, I mean, let's bring this back to the universes yeah. because, at the time, I remember Man of Steel was just kind of be like, Man of Steel, and then they just yeah. decided to try to make it a DC universe with one home run with that epic Batman versus they, Superman. Yeah, they
1: they hail married the daylights out of those two movies because I remember when man of steel like once we started getting trailers i remember it was just like hey this is the new superman this is this is kind of how we're going to do superman for a while and people thought like people, you know it was controversial It was kind of a it was a pretty divisive movie and i i remember at the time they were rumored for justice league and it was so close to the dark knight series ending i was like are they gonna be able to get christian bale for that And if so, then they're going to try and do the Dark Knight with Superman, which they did anyway. But man, with those two movies, they just were like, all right, we have to go uh, 80 yards in 15 seconds. So we got to do two Hail Mary passes like just it was just insane.
0: Yeah, I mean, to the best that I can remember, Justice League had been in production hell for a long time, too. Like, Warner Brothers yeah. wanted to make a Justice League film, and then...
1: Uh, I just... heard that was rumored... Like, the one of the rumors I heard for it was that it was in production hell basically from around the time the cartoon series on Cartoon Network was around. And we were in elementary school at that time. I, I would believe that. Because I mean, and, it, um, and then it came out when we were in college, or actually, it, Justice League came out after we were done with college.
0: Yeah, Justice League came out when I was already moved up here. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, but then obviously, yeah, like that, they bet off way more than they, they could chew, like, and they just forced so much to happen. It compromised the film narratively. Um, on top of, not trying to make this all about BBS. Um, they compromised it not only by over cramming the story itself, but then what Zack Snyder made out of again a watchable version of the film at three hours long, which really <laughs> it needed to be, because the two and a half hour cut that Warner Brothers forced them to release so it'd be more marketable and easier to screen. Yeah. Um. It destroyed that movie. It was yeah. barely comprehensible. Yeah. So that left a bad taste in everybody's mouth, mine included. And nobody watched the three hour cut besides you, me, and like two other friends
1: I know. <laughs> the three the three hour cut actually is not that bad of a movie. The only no, it's the not. only it's... massive complaint I have about it is I look at it and I'm like, Wow, I really wish they'd cut thirty minutes out of this and they're like, But if they do <laughs> then it's the movie we got in trailers. <laughs> <laughs> or the movie we got in theaters. Like, it doesn't work if it's that way. Yeah, exactly.
0: Like it's just so overstuffed. Um yeah. But again, it's still watchable. I still think it's a good, a decent film. Um, and then Wonder Woman. I mean, Wonder Woman was the first time that DC, like, really, like, got it 100% together. Um, yeah. Especially because before that and after Batman versus Superman, I, I we don't have enough time for me to get into why Suicide Squad failed miserably. <laughs> Raisin cookie... Don't even put raisins in it. Go ahead and sprinkle some funny hamster is, droppings you in hate, it. Funny like,
1: me and you hate that movie as much, like, equally, but we hate different parts of the movie. <laughs> like, I, we both, like, I absolutely hate that movie. And then we disagree on what parts we hate, but we come to the same level of hate. It's really weird.
0: I, again, too much time to, yeah, I know, to, to burn saying, on it. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think you're right, movie. though. Um, but, no, it's an incredible story about, like, I'll just say that a trailer company had final cut on the film instead yeah. of the director, which alone is already a terrible sign. Which,
1: but do uh, you think DC and Warner Brothers would have learned after uh, you know a little tiny movie called Batman and Robin? Maybe, maybe let the movie maker have say in the movie. Uh yeah. But anyway, not gonna waste any more time on
0: Suicide Squad. Um, so then Wonder Woman comes out and uh, it's a huge hit, and then we get Justice League, which again, like it was the right movie but just too much happened behind too much happened behind it that ended Mm -hmm. up compromising it and so it kind of felt like they were trying to go back to the drawing board with just trying to worry about Aquaman just being Aquaman and that movie was just kind of a big silly I mean it was I give it a half pan because I do have issues with it that I can't forgive it for but
1: It was almost our first theater review.
0: You got (laughs) to give that movie some credit for having just the guts to just openly say, like, this is a silly movie about underwater uh, politics and lore and just we're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at you and (laughs) we're not going to apologize for it. Yeah. And it, was, and it admittedly, it was kind of fun for about half of it when the other half of the movie was not, like, mind-numbingly stupid.
1: Yeah, then it dragged on too long.
0: So then, yeah, it just... Looking back at DC, when we can see all of these pieces, um, like, how they tried to make a jigsaw out of this, like, I guess we can just take them at their word that they are learned their lesson? Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to think about how they're going to have a solo joker while also a joker within the universe of
1: Suicide Squad so they're, because they're rebooting Suicide Squad with the sequel like it's the thing that's Is it is it a, is it, all... a re-
0: is it a reboot though? Like all my all the everything They've, I heard from what
1: I've heard it is it's a
0: reboot. I have, I thought James Gunn was outright like doing a sequel sequel. Like as far as I know it's a it's a reboot. Okay, so if it is a reboot that's fine. But then that also raises the question then of
1: Harley Quinn getting her own solo film. So, well, okay. Here's the thing: it's a reboot, keeping some of the same characters while getting while replacing some of the other ones. But it's supposed to like act as a reboot, basically. It's, okay. Dude, it's a mess. It's it, they're getting they're getting their act together while simultaneously still being a train wreck. It's really weird. So they're it's lo- like the Cleveland Browns, where it's like you know what you, you're doing amazing, but your team's still terrible.
0: Yeah. It's, I, it's, oh my gosh. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is the state of DC. It has broken me and Nick. (laughs) So, um, I want to segue this then into a universe that has really low key, like, honestly been kind of getting it right. Um, where, wherein, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of either of these films, but in terms of bringing, uh the central characters together um the warner brothers monster verse honestly seems like they know what they're doing dude it's canceled no no not dark universe uh kaiju verse uh godzilla oh, and kong okay yeah no 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 we i mean we can talk a little bit about dark universe if we want to
1: but obviously no, that was uh, I, I never i didn't even see the the one movie in it
0: <laughs> i didn't either and that is the cinematic equivalent of a one-hit wonder if i've ever heard of one Yeah. Um, But no, like, uh, you've seen Kong Skull Island and Godzilla, right? Um,
1: I saw parts of Kong Skull Island. I saw it really late one night and fell asleep during it. I saw Godzilla. Like, I liked Godzilla uh, a pretty good amount. So I'm pretty excited for the upcoming uh, Godzilla movie. I saw very little of Kong Skull Island. What I saw, I liked. I was just so tired I couldn't stay up. I, um... I... Didn't
0: like Godzilla that much. Um, I mean, it could be worth a rewatch before going to uh, going to yeah, King I, of the Monsters. Um, I, I like will outside say of the, the last,
1: te- the tease of the action the big problem with that movie. But I didn't mind. Like I didn't look at it and go, "Oh, well, it's a train wreck." It's like you just told the story poorly.
0: Yeah, I I remember not liking the movie up to the last battle, but um, and then Kong Skull Island. Like I will be the first to fully admit that. I was underwhelmed with it because I went in with completely wrong expectations. I, cause I'm such a big fan of King Kong, uh, the Peter Jackson version. Like the set pieces are pretty cool in it, but like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't in the right, I wasn't in the right mood or mindset when I saw it. But, um, but I still think even with this, it's going to be interesting to, see kong versus or godzilla versus kong because it definitely like is trying to they're trying to do something a little bit more organically with this universe that for some reason uh like the dark universe just and dc just they just try to throw everything at once where warner brothers they were just very quietly just like let's make a monster universe yeah, and they're just like, okay, let's just start with King Kong or Godzilla. Everyone likes Godzilla, and well, yeah. lo and behold, it's got like a seventy-something of Rotten Tomatoes and made a lot of money.
1: Well, the thing, the thing that's interesting that it seems like they're doing with the King Kong one uh, and Godzilla one was when Marvel started the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The idea was there of hey, like they were like, wouldn't it be neat if we just started connecting all these movies? And they tested it. With a couple movies, and then once the test started working and it kind of picked up, and they're like, "We can do this. We can actually do this." It started picking up steam, and that's what a lot of uh, a lot of uh, cinematic universes get wrong is that they go, "Well, let's just set up that there's a universe from the beginning," and then it's like, "Dude, you're trying. You're literally trying to cram a universe down our throats." You're not letting it develop organically. That's how these things work. Is you have to do the build up. Yeah. But everyone just everyone just go everyone literally knee jerk reacts to hey what's real big right now cinematic universes oh we gotta have one like no let it develop. You can Um, even
0: you can even look at it at a more micro level like um I've been watching uh it's I'm gonna it's called a miniseries but I'm gonna call it a five hour movie (laughs) um I've been watching Chernobyl on HBO mm -hmm. and I was listening to uh the writer of all five parts talk about how how he was trying to write it wherein it was a national tragedy out in the Soviet, well then Soviet Union Mm -hmm. but how do you talk about how do you engage somebody with something that big you have to engage them through relatable or empathetic singular characters that share traits that everybody had and you kind of have to look at making a universe like that. You've got to worry about the individual pieces and let the individual pieces set up the scope gradually. That's how Godzilla only worried about Godzilla until the very end when you saw the map of Skull Island. That's how it teased at the end that, oh, there's more than one giant monster at the end of King Kong yeah like and god knows get, what the teaser's going to be in and... giant
1: picture by starting with the little pieces first
0: yeah i mean god knows i i'm actually kind of i'm you're more excited for king of the monsters than i am but i mean god knows what the teaser's going to be to uh godzilla versus kong like um i mean you can google right now what the poster looks like they've already released it but yeah um but yeah it's it's kind of fa- i just kind of wanted to bring that one up just because it's fascinating to me that like it's mm-hmm. low-key been doing it right
1: And the 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 other thing too that was kind of the reason that when we were trying to when we came up with the idea for this kind of the reason I wanted to talk about the state of cinematic universes is something you said when we did the oddly enough the Detective Pikachu review really stuck out with me was when you said it's uh it's a standalone film like it ends and you're like oh I got everything it's not building to something else and especially with pre-existing material like. Comic, uh, comic books, or it being a reboot of a franchise, um, or you know maybe a movie, video, a video game movie. It's rare that people make a movie where it's just a movie now. You always, it's always some, it's always uh, setting up for a sequel, and it's always building a bigger world. And then we went to Detective Pikachu, a movie that is based off one of the biggest franchises of the 90s and early. 2000s and that movie is made just to be that movie and that's something that it's it doesn't happen much anymore you typically get it with smaller more independent type movies and it's something that uh, that movie deserves praise for and movies that end up being you know end up being good and end up having their own kind of standaloneness should be praised for you know it, it not going not literally going but look at the charts everything is the uh, cinematic universe like no dude i just want to tell this story if it branches off into something bigger neat but i just want to tell this story and they're like because most people get kind of pushed around by the studios and the charts of oh well we got to we got to make a bunch of money like no dude you'll make a bunch of money if you just make a good product that's kind of given me a slightly more cynical
0: outlook towards joker now like <laughs> this is kind of making me wonder even more so and in- if I should have just caught onto it earlier, like, oh, what if DC's just trying to cop, like, scoop up their bosses, uh, or whatever the phrase is, uh, what if they're trying to just make up for their losses by giving people their favorite villain in a singular film that is dressed up to look like, a a prestige drama, like, possible, uh, surprise awards contender?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it... it... It, it, it's gonna be, they're gonna start pandering because they've lost so much money, they're gonna have to start making stuff that will make them a bunch of money. Um, but it's one of those things where you know, I'm open to it because the trait like it's an interesting story, I think, but also the trailer just is it makes it look really interesting and look like a very unique take on the character. And the thing, too, that I once you know, with DC announcing that Robert Pattinson's going to be uh, uh, the new Batman, I honestly wondered, I was like, I kind of do wonder if maybe the little kid, because the little kid that he makes smile in the trailer is supposed to be Bruce Wayne. I was like, I wonder if that's supposed to be Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne as a child. Well, or, at, if, or if it's connected or what. So it's
0: Well, as of yet, that this Batman, like, I mean, technically he's not confirmed yet. I'm just... It, he's technically not confirmed yet but at the same time we don't even have a clue yet if um oh i'm spacing on who's even directing it um the guy that did the last two uh planet of the apes films um uh not rupert everett um it'll come to me but uh <laughs> but no he um it's not even technically confirmed if uh this will be connected to um anything or if it's just gonna have the dc uh banner on it yeah uh but 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 i mean uh i mean since you brought him up i mean are you excited that he got
1: casted (laughs) or could potentially be casted here's the thing when i first heard my when i first heard the rumor like i said earlier my you know human nature is to have a knee-jerk reaction and my knee-jerk reaction was oh god no but the more I thought about it, you know, and it really, the more I sat longer than five seconds, um, the longer I thought about it, I, I'm willing to give them a try, um, just because, you know, Twilight was just, uh, a stew pot of everything to go wrong with the movie, um, he has basically a lot of people involved with that movie basically kind of treat it like kind of like an actor treats doing a porn before they make it big they're like look i had to make ends meet and this is i thought this was my opportunity like they it's it, it's just a, it's just a terrible series of movies but um the the clips have well, he, seen of him since then he's a pretty okay actor he's a pretty decent actor oh he was, I don't, he's he's very he's not going to He's very open
0: about how much he hates Twilight, by the way. <laughs> he's,
1: I don't think he's going to be a very physically intimidating Batman, which I'm kind of bummed about because I was really excited for Ben Affleck to be that kind of Batman where it's like, he, I really believe he's going to kill somebody. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to give him a shot. I'm not, like, over the moon that he got casted, or is probably going to be casted, but I'm also not like, oh, my God, this is going to ruin everything. Um, so I, you know, I, I, not indifference isn't the right way, but it's one of those ones where it's like, I'm willing to at least give him a shot. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to blow me out of the water, but at the same time, I'm not like, oh my God, burn, burn down the studio. This is going to be the, the end of the Batman. Yeah, it's, it's not.
0: It's, um, I got, I, I remembered now, by the way, it's Matt Reeves, the guy that did war and, uh, dawn of the planet of the apes. Yeah. Um, but, so, that, I mean, that alone makes me excited, like, regardless of casting, because he's a smart director and he'll have a say in casting, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I personally think, I'm personally kind of uh, intrigued. I wouldn't say the word excited necessarily, but I think he's got a decent face for Batman. I, he's definitely got the chin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will defend him on his range. Like, once he got his life savings... He, his retirement money more or less banked from twilight yeah. um he's done a lot of really interesting roles um i saw this uh australian film with uh guy pierce in him called the rover um it was a post-apocalyptic film that he was great in it um i saw that explorer film with him and charlie hunnam uh, the lost city of z and he was fantastic in that supporting role hmm. uh, i think Uh, I wanted to see that sci-fi film High Life that he was in that just came out, but um, hadn't made time for it yet, but uh, I, I, no, I think he's a pretty interesting actor. Um, I like, oh, he's also in uh, Good Times, if you remember seeing ads for that uh, last year, maybe it was two years ago now? Um, No, not at all. um, If any of our listeners know the Setfeed Brothers, um, it basically um, is, well, it's definitely worth checking out if you have Amazon Prime because it's there right now, but, um, it's a very stylized robbery movie gone wrong, and um it's it's phenomenal. He's fantastic in the lead role in that film, so I think I mean that's kind of all I'm kind of looking at it like I can see a range with him in it, and if he's on board with doing a superhero film kind of in the same way that Joaquin Phoenix is on board of doing a superhero film, like yeah, I was more shocked at that honestly because I was like, wait Joaquin Phoenix wants that? okay he's read the script so he obviously likes something in it yeah or they they're paying him almost as much as the budget itself like <laughs> um but so yeah i'm, I'm kind of looking at this at the same way like i i respect robert post twilight so if matt pitched him an idea and it intrigued him enough then i that's more power to the movie gets me a little more excited yeah so yeah with that um that's kind of uh our thoughts on uh the cinematic universe in its current state. Uh, We'll be right back to talk about the film that we saw in theaters from not James Gunn, the other Gunn brother, Brightburn. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. Nick and I went to the theaters this week and we checked out Brightburn from director David Yurivsky, and it's written by brian and mark gunn uh two of the multiple brothers of james gunn who we all know as the director of the guardians of the galaxy trilogy uh also a big influence in the mcu and essentially what they did with this film is put superman on his head and changed his origin story to be what if superman
1: came to earth and became a super villain um it's like it's like that scene in a Uh, Batman v Superman where Lex Luthor's like but what if he was bad we have nothing to combat him it's like it's like someone was sitting there heard that line and went I got a movie idea yeah right like basically (laughs) like what
0: if Ben Affleck was right but he knew when Clark was a kid um (laughs) yeah anyway uh the film itself uh stars Elizabeth Banks uh most of us know who she is um and then David Denman uh who was uh Pam's boyfriend in the office of uh, Roy. Roy. Yeah, he was Roy, was Roy for a few episodes. Um and then the kid who deserves all the kudos in the world. The kid was excellent in this film. Uh yeah. his name is Jackson Dunn. Uh the film also has Badger from Breaking Bad, um real name Matt Jones. Uh he was excellent in the film too
1: and um he basically just plays a Midwestern badger that's not on drugs through the whole movie. Yeah,
0: pretty much. Um <laughs> <laughs> the stereotypical um get you a gun for your birthday in broad daylight by the way which um i can vouch for you could probably get away with um i mean you can too yeah, the dad was not cool oh with it. Well, no well reasonably um but anyway um, we'll get more in the plot points in the spoiler section um my spoiler free take on this film was um i'm g- very glad that we didn't cut this um <laughs> Because we, yeah. we were debating whether,
1: um, if we were going to get this and Aladdin in or not, and, um... I put my foot down. It's like, it's like, dude, I'm going on vacation. I, I'm only going to be able to see one movie this week. I'm not that excited for Aladdin, and I've been losing my mind with excitement for Brightburn since I saw the trailer. I'm not, not, I'm not not seeing this movie to go watch a live-action remake of a movie I've already seen. Yeah. That I'm not that excited for. Yeah, so,
0: I mean, um we'll have my uh, review on aladdin solo because um i figured one of uh, one of us needed to still do it but um but no for our for yeah. our combo review let, let's say um i am very glad we saw this um this was much darker than i anticipated um i thought the acting was excellent um there are a few kind of issues like just some minor hair pickingness i have with it um kind of some inconsistencies with his power that are just for narrative reasons um that kind of bugged me a little bit um but overall this film is comes in in a nice tight 90 minutes with credits it's fast paced it doesn't waste any time it's a lot of fun it's extremely dark um it goes places that i was hoping it would go to um and it kind of delivers its promise tenfold and it's it's definitely the anti superhero film that um, I think will have an audience um, maybe not necessarily right now just because of bad luck coming out against Aladdin and then next week there's um, the huge lamp is coming out next week like it's kind of coming out in a crowded time but um, maybe this will have more life on DVD that's just my opinion though but um, yeah. but no this was this was a hell of a fun movie I had a lot a lot a lot of fun yeah uh, what did you think What's your rating? Uh, R. Oh, oh, sorry. don't know no, no. What's your? Rating? <laughs> I thought you said what's the rating? Oh, um, I give this on our uh, special scale of um, a raisin cookie, which is a terrible movie. One brownie, a mostly bad movie. Uh, a half a pan of brownies. Uh, that's kind of fifty-fifty. A full pan, pretty good movie, and an excellent, near perfect, or basically perfect film. Uh, brownie pan with sprinkles on top. Um, I am definitely, um, after spending a night thinking about it, I'm st- I'm sticking with why I texted Dio a full pan. Uh, this is a pretty entertaining film, if not um, held back by its own budgetary limitations and some things in the in the script that I thought were a little, like, questionable, but um, with how, in the broad scope of it, with just how entertaining and fun this film is, it's easy to forgive any fault that I have with it.
1: Okay. I, uh... So like like I said on previous episodes uh, and in the beginning of this review, I was really excited for this. Um, I had really high exp- or not really high expectations, but I was really excited for the movie. Um, so I uh, I came in with the ability for this movie to really let me down. Um, it's I I really liked the movie. Uh, kind of like what you said in terms of the uh, issues I have with it for me, they actually would have been like their little sprinkles of things. So they literally are the sprinkles for me. Uh, this is a full pan. If it if it did the the things I have issues with, if it would have gotten those better, it would have been a full pan with sprinkles. But this movie was was really good. Um, original is not the right word because it's clearly the Superman story. And then they're like, well, what if he went evil? Um, so. I, uh, I really enjoyed this movie, uh, full pan, um, and I can't wait to get to where we can just free talk about the movie, because that's, it's a really good movie. Yeah,
0: well, let's, let's go ahead and jump right into that, um, right into the spoiler territory, guys. So if you haven't seen Brightburn yet, uh, skip to the next music chapter, um, but yeah, we're gonna let it all out. Um, so basically, uh, like you said, this is the Superman story, um, Elizabeth Banks and David Dunn, uh, Deadman, uh, they can't have, they're trying to have a kid, they're having troubles with it, and, um,
1: it's... and they hit you over the head with that within the first 13 seconds of the movie. Yeah,
0: I mean, again, that's kind of the, that's kind of, uh, part of this film is that it just kind of jumps to the chase. There's really not that much fat
1: on this film. Um, yeah. he come. He... it's, that, that was one thing that I kind of wish the movie would have done better, is I wish it would have, uh, I wish it would have been a little longer. Uh, maybe uh, maybe like 10 to 15 minutes uh, just to let things breathe a little better because it's, it's not it's not one of those things where it's so fast-paced, it's like, oh my god, slow down but it's one of those things where it's like, you could deliver the message you're trying to deliver better if you were able to slow down because it's only a 90-minute movie it's not, you know, like John Wick where it's two hours and two minutes I mean, it's, it's a pretty fast
0: movie See, I think that kind of I think they understood that Or they had this idea that, like, we know what the story is, and rather than kind of get bogged down to a point where it'd be, like, a legitimately, like, comedic parody, where, like, that'd be more distracting than the horror element that they were trying to go with, like, the tone of this film very much wants to be a horror film, while just kind of nudging you with that. Hey, this is actually Superman. Not like outright trying to make you laugh and like make fun of Superman. Like it's tr- it's definitely yeah. trying to emulate it but in this kind of reverse engineered way. So I kind of Yeah. like I, that's something that I can kind of personally forgive it for even I mean because we still we still get a lot well, of we still get a lot of decent character development out of um the mom well, and like, the
1: dad. Like I si- like I said too, the things that were wrong in the movie for me were little tiny sprinkles so it doesn't it doesn't ruin the movie it doesn't massively detract from it but when I was like critically thinking about it I was like you know if they were able to develop this movie for about 10 to 15 more minutes I wouldn't have this issue but it's a really tiny issue because they do develop everything really well
0: yeah um the kid, uh, Jackson especially, like, the film starts when they find him, and then it Im- almost immediately jumps to, like, ten years later, and um, yeah. he start he has those kind of superhero tropes where he's starting to discover who he is, but... Your body's going
1: through changes, Brendan.
0: <laughs> it's okay to, you know, touch... T- touch
1: what? That like... was the most <laughs> awkward puberty talk I've ever heard. Uh, I really... I, the thing that's funny is, you know, that, that's like a like a trope in a movie is the dad awkwardly has or an adult has the awkward birds and bees talk with the kid. But this one didn't look like it was like, hey, we're just trying to make a funny scene. It came across like this guy's really trying his hardest to be a good dad and be a good father. He just doesn't know how to do it in this instance and because it's such an awkward conversation to have he's he's flubbing it up in a way that's funny it's not it's not like hey the scene's funny because they're having the puberty talk it's hey the scene's funny because this is an honest awkward human interaction
0: yeah it's funny because it's so relatably painful and real like it's yeah. it's definitely not a comedic moment, and that's all the joke jokes quote unquote in this film. I mean, for the most part, at least as for I could tell. Yeah. But um, back to what I was saying about his powers. Like we do get the moment where um, he's he's talking to his dad about doing chores, and uh, he's got to do the lawnmower, and then he ends up throwing the lawnmower across the field. <laughs> that was really um, funny. But
1: it's just like no effort at all; just flings it a quarter of a mile down town.
0: Yeah, um, but before that he has um the the night terrors and the night walking when he goes into the barn where they're hiding this ship this is something that yeah. i kind of had an issue with like and it's pure and this is why i was saying at the start like with kind of limitations to their budget like it's not that the film didn't have a budget like there's some pretty spectacular effects in this film i mean given yeah. this probably got made for like less than 100 million maybe even less than like maybe maybe the 50 mark if that but yeah um I didn't like how cheesy it looked with just the glowing light under the barn door and then the grobble, 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 grobble. Like, I thought that was, I thought, I thought, yeah. I thought that was honestly kind of cheesy. Like just from a, just from an aesthetic standpoint, it was like, really you like, this is where
1: you're cheating the budget a little bit. Like that kind of bothered me. Yeah, but in, in their defense too, I'm not really entirely sure how to improve it. I.
0: I don't know. Maybe it was just the pulse. Maybe like, it was just I, the I, pulsating
1: I, that bothered me. Like I just I see I see your point and I do kind of agree with you, but then thinking in terms of okay, well how could they improve it? I I don't have an answer. I, it's It's one of those things where I think it I think it would look cheesy regardless of how they did it. I would
0: say maybe do it more telepathically without the ship or make the ship less obvious like as a communications like a uh, device like I wish it was maybe, I wish it was more of like a psychedelic like their minds are interconnected even however many galaxies away they
1: are or or maybe it doesn't pulsate and maybe he's the only one that sees it glow
0: Yeah that would that would help too it's just
1: that way it's more of a special connection between him and the ship and it's not that oh it's it, the parents are seeing it too it makes it it makes it more supernatural and special to him alone
0: yeah, like just any—it's—it's like, it's nitpicky, but like it's just one of those little things that like kind of just made me like, okay, movie, it's, you're getting a little wait, silly. If, like,
1: if, if if in criticizing this movie, it sounds it sounds like we're grasping at straws. We are grasping at straws. It's it's not a perfect movie, but the imperfections in it are kind of like, really, why do you find that an issue? Yeah. I'm not trying to, they're, they're all, all of them are small, but there's a decent number of them.
0: Yeah. I'm not trying to make a mountain out of an anthill. It's just one of those little things that like, um, cause I, again, I have very little things to say besides praise for this film. Like, uh, so anyway, like outside of that little scene, we see him throw the lawnmower. Um, he's crazy, wicked smart. Um, and, Oh yeah. But then the, um, Again, also, uh, when he's in the cafe um, and he gets the gun for his birthday, like, he gets really mad at the dad and all the video games start to, like, the screens start to break up a little bit and uh, the lights flicker a little, so you know something's boiling up to the point where, uh, in gym class, um, this girl that he likes, um, because she knows that he, like, stalked her to the point that, like, he actually broke into her room, gave her, uh, broke into her room and then, uh, just kind of ran away like a stalker. Yeah.
1: yeah, that was, cause that was after the, t- cause he talks with his dad and his dad said, you know, this is after the freak out at the, uh, cafe and the dad.
0: Oh, right, dad right, right,
1: yeah. And him and the dad, him and the dad, his dad notices him do something weird and his, his dad's like, maybe he's going through some changes and his dad starts talking to him like, you know, you're gonna notice some changes. You're gonna notice the way that you feel about girls is different, the way you think about girls. And he goes, and he's like, it's okay. He's like, as long as you don't feel like the you know you're it's okay to notice them and it's okay what do you what do you say he's like it's okay to play with you know it down there or something like that yeah but then, then but that's when and then he's like it's okay it's okay to act on it and he goes like now and the dad goes I mean no not right now <laughs> and then when he goes when he goes when he leaves and then it shows the girl in her room my first I was like oh no movie please don't do this like don't go where I think you're gonna go thankfully it does not go. All the way, but it's still a really creepy, messed up scene.
0: I, I know for I, I'm certain that a studio would have immediately said no if their first pitch of the script yeah. had that scene. I'm just saying, like, I get where your head, I get where your head was at, but I'm again, you're not. I'm not saying that you're advocating for what you thought was going to happen. I'm not. But... A- I'm not advocating for it. <laughs> I was just saying
1: where the movie was going and the fact that he was like, oh, I have these powers and I can. I he's he's realizing he can kind of do whatever he wants and there's very little repercussions for it. I was like, oh no, don't do this. Yes, the, I do. Please don't do they're, this. They're
0: they're thirteen, audience. We're aware they're thirteen. Yeah. We're not saying we're disappointed that, that didn't happen. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, but, it was just it was just one of those things where I was like, please. I was actually relieved that it only went where it went to. Yeah.
0: Well, well, he, him just. Like, disappeared. I was like,
1: I was like, I'm thankful he was just creepy.
0: Yeah, because. He gets to process and that didn't talk. didn't do
1: anything physical, really. Yeah,
0: well, he he gets to process that talk in two different ways. The dad just thinks that he's giving the kid the talk, but, uh, Brandon... The, the
1: kid doesn't know that the dad doesn't see the double meaning. Yeah,
0: Brandon, um, we should... I'm gonna start trying to incorporate his name now. Um, he, he's yeah. called Brand. His name is Brandon Breyer. Ha ha, Clark Kit Brandon Breyer.
1: <laughs> so... And he's, and he's from, uh... He's from Brightburn, Kansas. Yeah.
0: So Brandon, anyway, gets to, uh... He has these voices talking into his head before they're on the camping trip, so he is now interpreting what his dad is saying as to, this is just all a part of it. Like, he, he's he yeah. got these voices telling him basically to become evil, take over the world, when the dad's just thinking, like, this is just you growing up into being a man. So, as the movie continues to escalate, um like I said, with the lawnmower, and then um, the girl starts hating him, so he's freaking out about that. Um, when they're in that gym class, he breaks the girl's hand at a point where she's asked Pretty... to pick him up.
1: Like, By the way, the gruesomeness of, of the physical carnage in this movie was not something I was expecting. Um, the broken hand is kind of the start of it. Uh it's a pretty visceral scene. Like you watch it and you're like, Oh no, her hand's now jelly, there's no bones.
0: Yeah, and that's just again that yeah, that's the tip of the iceberg as to what the rest of the film does.
1: And she and the and the reason that he breaks her hand, so this is after the scene where he makes you think he's about to assault like physically assault this girl. Yeah, she freaks um, out
0: and like in the class, like doesn't want
1: anything to do with What him. did they call it? Willows in the Wind? What was the game they were playing? Uh, they basically, like one one person stands in the middle and they like lean back and forth. And it's supposed to be a trust building exercise that if you lean, someone will catch you and push you back. Yeah, it's like a it's like you a go in a circle. Yeah, like a circle trust. And ball. she she tells her mom, she goes, Brandon was in my window, and you know she you know she's creeped out by him. Like throughout the scene before he starts, before he's the one in the middle, she's making weird faces at him, and you can tell she doesn't trust him. And then he gets in the middle and he starts leaning, and he falls towards her. And she goes, ew, and uh, backs up and lets him fall, and he hits his head where i'm pretty sure if he was a human being he would have had a concussion and uh she goes he's a pervert he's gross and uh the gym teacher's like pick him up or you fail this class and so she goes to like give him a hand and he won't stand up and he's like just squeezing and squeezing and squeezing because she called him a name and then he just snaps her hand like it's jelly
0: yeah it was it was gruesome um so they have a but
1: man it's it's just the start of the gruesomeness in the uh, movie too.
0: oh yeah they they go into um, a meeting with the principal um, nothing really happens he gets suspended but then he's got to talk to a counselor when he gets back is his
1: punishment and and the ca- counselor is his aunt
0: yeah the counselor is his own aunt um, who's married to obviously his uncle uh, the uncle was who gave him the gun in the early part of the film the uncle's and,
1: and his uncle his uncle is Badger from Breaking Bad
0: yeah so once they have this meeting, the mom's obviously not satisfied, but Elizabeth Banks sticks up for him, and he and then Brandon gives uh, that mom this evil glare, which obviously we know like in less than ten minutes something terrible is going to happen to uh, her. Yeah. So she works in that restaurant where um, they had the birthday party, and she's closing but up. He for had the, the
1: freak out. Yeah.
0: Where the and she's closing up for the night, and then this is the first time in the film that. Um, we really see why up to this point he was just drawing in his notebook this weird little BB symbol and he he writes it all over the walls, uh, or all, all over the windows, um, with the He's fog. De- he,
1: because it's 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 Kansas in the middle of summer, it's, it's like 85 degrees at night with 97% humidity, so it, all the windows fog up. Yeah, so
0: the BB's all over the window, the lights are flickering, she doesn't know what's going on, and then he causes the... Uh, the fluorescent lights above to to break above For, her, yeah. and there's a gruesome, painfully awful, like 30 seconds where you have to watch yeah. her pull, pull a
1: piece of glass out of her eye. Like, so, and in, in my family, uh, there's a, f- a family member that actually can't stand like in movies if anything happens in someone's eye, and I kind of inherited their discomfort from it. They're they're much worse than me, but. They really can't stand it, and I was sitting there watching. I was like, "Man, this is really hard to sit through."
0: Oh, dude, I had to look away for a little bit too, cause she like struggles, like she pulls a little and then stops, and then keeps like slowly getting to yeah. it. And then just to put the cherry on top of it, once she gets it out, her eye just vomits out blood all over the floor. Yeah, I was just like, "Oh, okay, movie. That's that's enough. Thank you." Like, <laughs> um, but it's then at that point that he appears in the re- he appears in
1: the restaurant. It's just kind of. But the the thing that I liked about that, though, is the effect it shows is it, it severely screws up her vision because her, she, there's blood in her eye, So everything she sees, uh, you can tell that that eye was more dominant than the other because pretty much everything she sees has a red tint to it and it can't focus because it tore the muscles in the eye and the, and the uh, blood vesicles. Yeah.
0: she So she's freaking out. She can't see. He's just really messing with her now. Just... Um... Uh, speed, speed flying, I guess. Like, the, the, the inconsistency yeah. with that power is something else I'll complain about in a little bit,
1: but, uh... Oh, dude, I don't think it's an inconsistency. I'm just saying, like, he just, like, he can be, intimidated intent- well, no, like, he... if he's slowly observing something, he's, he's slow. But if he's like, no, I'm just, I want to do this, he flies it, like, a million miles. Well, an hour.
0: no, like, here's the thing, like, he can fly through the house at the end of the film and destroy it but he can also fly gently yet still equally fast enough that the dad doesn't notice when he disappears, she doesn't notice when he disappears. Like, is it more of, like, a teleportation or, like, just, like, the fact that he can no, control... No, it's
1: just, it's just lightning-fast travel. Yeah, okay. So, I, I mean, so he... It's, liter- it's, literally the, it's literally the Superman thing of faster than a speeding bullet.
0: But the fact that, like, sometimes he'll have a sonic blast with it versus when he doesn't, like, that just... It's
1: not a sonic blast, it's his cape ruffling.
0: No, like, but what I'm saying, like, when they're out in the woods and the dad's reloading the gun, not to jump the plot, but, like, when he's with the dad in the woods, and then he just disappears. And then he reappears again. This scene
1: has the old yeller, this movie has the old yeller scene, but with a kid. Yeah, well,
0: I mean, and, and of Mice and Men, but we'll get to that. I'm just, I'm just saying, I found it a little weird that, like, sometimes, like, he'll fly fast and you can hear a sonic boom and he can destroy stuff versus other times where you don't hear him and you don't see any trace that he was there in front of him. Yeah. Like, that's, it, that, like, I had to ask myself, like, okay, can he teleport and fly, or can he just fly, but control Sonic, like, it's, I don't know, yeah. split it, splitting hairs, it doesn't ruin the film, but that every time, I was just like, okay, your flying powers make no sense. Um, <laughs> so then anyway, he's terrorizing her, she goes into the, fr- into the walk-in fridge, like in the trailer, I mean, basically what you see in the trailer is that moment, the doors come down, he rips them off, and then he tackles her, and that's it. So that's yeah. when the cops get involved, and this is one of those tiny towns. Uh, Brightburn is that tiny town where uh, the cops all know the cops all know and the citizens, the citizens know every cop. Like there's maybe what 500 people in this town. Yeah.
1: So. Um, yeah, it's it's it is small town America. It is little America. It's it's tiny. Yeah,
0: and that's going to play more into it once we're introduced to the cop. It's going to play into it their relationship, or his relationship with the mom and dad. So. Brandon comes back they're freaking out um, and it's kind of funny because they were alluding to like oh well we weren't as bad as him we were sneaking out and doing all this stuff so obviously the rest of the film he's sneaking he's out
1: right? oh well the, the the other thing that's that's uh, we forgot to mention too is after he breaks the girl's hand he is expelled from school and everything so that later that night uh, before he goes to the diner he goes to the girl's house again and gets in there and tells her not to scream. And she goes, my mom said not to not to talk to you or not to hang out with you or something like that. And he goes, don't worry, I'll fix that problem soon. And I was like, whoa, that's creepy, man. You're only 13, why do you sound like, you know, why do you sound like Hannibal Lecter, man? Right, oh, right, 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 yeah, sorry. I. So, she, so when the cops come, they go, have you talked to the doctor? And they're like, we can't get two sentences out of her. The, the daughter really can say, you need to look into this kid. But the cop notices the BB logo everywhere, and so that's just his first he, clue. Like,
0: like he doesn't know what that does. a, he doesn't yeah. know what
1: that means yet. Because they can't find the body of the lady, so he he's like, oh yeah, this is kind of weird, and so uh, then Billy or Brendan is finally able to go back to school, and he meets with the counselor that's his aunt, and he's not. happy Billy anymore he's he's giving well he's
0: happy he's very serial
1: killer style answers he's
0: very cocky he's he he, I laughed really really hard when um,
1: I'm better than them it's like
0: no not this. i'm better than them he used the word superior like white supremacist talk, yeah, when, superior, like yeah. i just laughed at my i just laughed at myself when he was like i'm superior i'm just like this is like white supremacist stuff like <laughs> yeah like that was, and then like the face that the aunt has like she immediately is just like "Oh, okay something's very wrong here like <laughs> she, she's
1: like these are red flags and these are the biggest red flags i've ever seen in my life but just
0: like elizabeth banks um she doesn't want to turn on him, even though that's not like straight up maternal instincts. Like she
1: knows, like, this is my sister's kid. Like, I have a job. This is gonna be really hard to say. The kid that we watched grow up and we all love. This kid's gonna be a serial killer. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a
0: really subtle and small performance, he's, but it, it really he's is. Sho-
1: he's showing He's showing no remorse. He he thinks he's better than everybody. He claims he's superior than everybody. Shows no remorse. Has has harmed someone before and is showing signs that he will harm again. So he he talks with her and he basically tries to like warn. She goes, well, I have to give an update to the sheriff. So the, the that night he ends up going to his aunt's house uh, while his dad and his uncle are out at this bar and his aunt, you know she didn't like the talk and he shows up at her house and he's doing things that kind of freak her out she's on edge he shows up at her door and he says you know that talk that you said you're going to have with the sheriff that can't happen and you also can't tell update my parents none of these things are good for you it's not good for them it's not good for me and it's very bad for you and he's trying to intimidate she's kind of like look kid shut up and so uh he then puts on his costume and get, and sneaks in the house while she's asleep and it looks like he's about to kill her and then he hears his uncle come back from the bar and his uncle is you know clearly drunk um and he goes in the closet and this was kind of weird Brendan is hiding sucks in this scene well
0: you heard him he um, was hiding above he was holding up to the ceiling and then yeah. another moment that i kind of just laughed at to myself because i don't think anyone else noticed um you, I, I audibly heard him go, ah! and then he fell, and that's why he ran in
1: the closet. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the heck? So then he goes in the closet. His uncle finds him and is like, what are you doing? And he goes, uh, Aunt, what's her name, told me to come over to, for this thing. And he goes, that's weird. You're going home now. Like, he snaps. He's like, that's it. I'm done. You're being weird and th- things like that. And he's, he goes, you're not going to tell my parents, are you? And he goes, you're lucky if that's all I do. And he goes don't tell my parents. He goes, get in the truck now. So he he tells him to get in the truck uh, and he and he says no and he punches him and then this is the funniest well, that, scene of the movie. That's when Brandon, th- not punches him, he like uh, psych- shoots him with lasers. Or no, no,
0: he throws him, or not throws him, he uses his mind no, to was, like throw him into the garage.
1: No, it was his laser vision because I remember thinking it cuts through steel doors but you shot him in the chest and it's like you just punched him. What is, that was my one my issue with his powers I was like this is an inconsistent power.
0: Oh, that's oh I didn't notice. I thought his eyes just kind of gl- I thought his eyes just happened to glow really bright and he like psychedelically like pushed him into the wall. Okay.
1: Speaking of his eyes, the character design in the dark honestly is really intimidating because it's a it's a creepy costume that he has and the like, eyes glowing really take it up a notch. But anyway, so he um. He starts, like, running away, which I was like, way to defend your wife, jerk. Like, you just leave her to fend for yourself after this superhuman being just, the threw you into your own garage door. He was chasing
0: Brandon, like...
1: He was like, oh, nope, and he gets in his truck, and he starts driving, and Brandon, uh, he's looking around for Brandon, and he can't see him. And, uh, Brandon, like, rams his truck, and it, then it starts, uh... I don't know how old the truck is, but the way it was behaving, it acted like it had a carburetor in it, like it wasn't getting the proper air to fuel ratio. Dude, that joke that and joke
0: ran way too
1: long. I liked it a lot though, when he's like trying to start it and he's, he's, he turns on the lights and nothing's there, and then he goes to, and he shuts shuts off the ignition, turns it back on, Brandon's standing there and he's like, nope, 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 we gotta get going. He turns them off, he turns it back on again. Brandon's now flying. He's like, nope, seriously, we gotta get going. We, you know, we can't, we can't sit here anymore. We really have to get going. He turns it off and he turns it back on and Brandon's not there anymore. He's like, no, come on, please, please turn on. We gotta go, we gotta go now. Please, please turn on, we gotta go. I thought that scene was hysterical.
0: I, I laughed at the first part of it where he saw Brandon and then it was him floating, but then he disappeared yeah. and it just kept going. Just like, dude, obviously the truck is broken, stop. Like, <laughs>
1: Like, but then Brandon, Brandon flies, picks up the truck, uh, and basically flies up straight in the air. And it's and the thing I like too is you could actually hear Brandon was struggling to pick up the truck for a minute. You can hear him like, uh, and I was like, oh okay, so he's not reached his full power clearly, but he, this oh not
0: yet he can do <laughs> yeah this. not yet though.
1: <laughs> and then he picks he picks it up straight in the air and how how high would you say he gets him like. 15, 20
0: feet? Uh, yeah, just enough to make it look like that he hit
1: a deer. Like, definitely not... He, and then he he lets go and he drops the truck on its nose, and this is honestly the most gruesome scene in the movie to me. Oh, was 100%. His jaw hit, and it shattered his jaw, and it just looked like a pudding jaw.
0: Oh, that was so disgusting. So much blood. I, I was surprised that they let him, like choke on his blood as long as they did dude that was so honestly
1: I want to say kudos to the to the people that did the gore for this movie that was great
0: oh that and um Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth when we get to the end um the makeup on her too I want to compliment that moment when we get to it but uh yeah no there is some excellent
1: gore effects in this film especially this that jaw was disgusting he he drowns in his own blood and Brendan wipes his finger in his blood and at first i was like is he gonna lick it what is he doing that's and then he I makes the too. bb logo <laughs> i was like i was like why do you want to taste this blood you spaz and he makes the he makes the bb logo and the cop the, the thing that I thought was funny is the cop at the scene he gets he gets photos of the scene no one notices that there's a bb logo like very deliberately drawn and then he's looking at the picture and goes oh my god And i was like that's kind of true oh yeah until like but, what how so many then, days later like <laughs> yeah so so then the the mom and uh mom and dad go see the aunt and she's like he crashed they think he swerved to hit a deer you didn't let him drink did he did you and he goes no he didn't drink he had like three or four and i was like dude he drank (laughs) like he came in and he was he was wobbling back and forth he drank um so uh they um the the aunt says did brandon make it home okay and he goes they go yeah and she goes good he was over at my house, and I was worried he didn't make it home. This was, and, and this, this was like, reveal is what? this
0: reveal is after when Brandon came back from killing him. Yeah. He said that he was just yeah. out playing soccer all night, and obviously they knew it was a yeah. lie, but they and didn't he, know what they, he did. And they were
1: like, he, he's, they're like, he goes, they tore my shirt, and or something like that. And they go, well, here, let me see it. He goes, no, no, don't take it. And I was like, wow, that doesn't sound super defensive and weird at all. So, then, um, he. Uh, they go, he's obviously lying. So the next morning, the parents break the news after going to the hospital that his his uncle died, and he just sits there like nothing happened. Like it could have been like they could have come in and be like, hey man, just so you know, I found a five dollar bill on the street. He's literally he could would had the same reaction where he's like, okay.
0: Yeah, that's that's this is the this is the point when the dad finally snaps
1: and is just like. Yeah, he's had it at this point. He goes, no, he's lying to us. He's he's up to something. What did you do, Brandon? Did you kill him? And Brandon shoves him through the pantry.
0: Yeah. This was I thought this was the tipping point where the climax was gonna start, but no, like everybody calms down. No, Elizabeth it's not. Elizabeth Banks. Um if I and if I if I may use this moment just to continue to praise her a little bit more, I gotta say, like, Elizabeth Banks makes this performance so believable and empathetic. Like I and the dad, too. Like, I could- I could feel the dad. Like, I was so- I felt so bad for him, and I felt so bad for Elizabeth Moss. Like, even though, like, she was in a state of denial, too, like, they sell the yeah. crap out
1: of these performances. Of Otherwise- yeah. This- this genuinely is a, this isn't like the this, this typical movie where they're ignoring it. They- like, it's not, hey, this is up, and the person's like, no, just not saying it. Like, they are clearly, like, if the if you really believe these allegations, this family's gonna be ripped apart. Oh,
0: they, they... I just, I can't commend them enough for just owning this material, like, with just enough seriousness and believability, but also playing in with, like, uh, the obvious tropes, the obvious familiar beats, like, they just, they were so... They, they helped elevate this material from being just a stupid self-parody into something that actually, like, you could buy into it, and, um really just go with the flow with it. Like, this could have yeah. just been a silly, awful horror film like La La Rona, that want, God, yeah. but, Very but no, really, they helped sell it, uh, Badger helped sell it, the kid helped sell it, like, they honestly, like, that's my favorite aspect of this film, was just yeah. this ensemble was
1: so perfectly casted. Well, so, the, the dad, you know, he, he goes upstairs, and he starts looking through Brandon's room, and he finds the shirt that he was hiding, and he finds blood on it and he has a talk with Brandon and then he sneaks downstairs and he shows the mom and he goes this is this is his blood he killed him and he goes how do you know it's his blood he goes, he's acting great. he just shoved me through the pantry so he goes I'm gonna t-, he goes, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be his dad I'm gonna show him I love him and because they don't typically they don't really have hard evidence on it I mean yeah it's blood but they can't say that it's the guy's blood so he's like I'm gonna take him I'm gonna take him out and we're gonna I'm gonna have him I'm gonna be a good dad with him so him and the dad leave Brandon and the dad leave and the mom stays home and, uh, he, um, at this point, you know, the, the mom gets greeted by the cop. Cause the cop goes, you know, do you recognize this logo? And the mom had seen him drawing the BB logo on his notebook one day. And he goes, you know, it's kind of weird. The only thing I can think of is maybe it stands for like Brandon Breyer. And she goes, no, absolutely not. You know, he goes, can I, you mind if I come take a look? And she goes, I actually do. You cannot come in my house and, and inspect it. And, uh, she goes upstairs and she finds a notebook and sees the exact logo and she makes the connection. And this is at the same point where the dad, they're going hunting and the the dad, the sons, the, Brandon's out front. And he goes, "These are deer tracks," and he's all excited trying to find the deer. The dad's behind him, and basically they could have said, "Look at the flowers," like in The Walking Dead, or it's it's the old yellow. And tree. of and of my and of mice and men. <laughs> yeah, and he pulls the gun up. And he puts, he gets him in the scope, and he shoots him in the head, and the bullet ricochets, and the kid turns around. Dude, his hair, his his hair sparks, like, metal, too. Like, his, the the dad's reaction is amazing, because you can see in the dad where he's like, there's no way to kill this kid, and I just gave him every reason to kill me.
0: Yeah, totally. Like, and I honestly, like, it's not gruesome, like, in a gore factor, but oh my god, he just eyes for, for our, He lasers him directly into his own eyes until the laser goes for, through his
1: skull. It blows out the back of his head. For for our viewers, the best visual representation of this is if you saw 2014 Godzilla, the scene at the end where he shoots the atomic breath down the throat of the other one. The kid does this to his dad, except in the eyes. Oh my
0: god, that was so like emotionally that was so painful to watch cuz that was this was the point where I realized oh my god everyone's going to die like yeah. and I kind of started to accept like okay Elizabeth Banks probably isn't going to make this like yeah um and honestly I kind of was also like oh this is actually be kind of this would be really really bold like I kind of hope she doesn't make it now like if you're going to go this yeah. dark already like screw it go for it and um as You're like me during a hockey game, you're like, Kill her, kill him, kill him now! I mean I wasn't cheering for it, but I was just like wow, I will actually admire this film even more like since it's already raised the bar this high, like if it kills her, like
1: dude, like kudos to you for getting a studio Dan, to green Dan. like this. Dan's lying. He was sitting in the movie theater with a foam finger, and it just said, "Kill her." <laughs> kill them all. <laughs> Dan's like, "I wore my Metallica kill Them All' shirt for a reason. Kill them all." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is
0: the point. Then now, this is like the climax of the film. Now, um,
1: and it gets intense. Yeah,
0: he he fly he's flying above the home with the dad's phone fo- with the da- he's flying above the home
1: with dad's phone, and she calls and she goes. Brendan did it. Brendan killed him, and then the kid goes. Brendan goes, "Mom," and then she can be like, "Oh my God!" And she goes, "Where's Dad?" And he goes, "He's gone." She goes, "Where are you?" And he goes, "I'm home," and crushes the phone, and then and just starts demolishing their house. Oh, just
0: one full-blown like Superman Superman swoop at a time, just boom, 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 like yes. throughout the entire she,
1: house. Like she, she calls the cops. He comes. The cop comes back. He's, like, she's, like, freaking out, and it's a cop and his sidekick, and the cop's like, come outside, you're safe, and, like, she gets to the door, and then the cop is at the door, he goes, you're safe, and then Brendan hits him, and he just explodes, basically. Oh, my God. There's blood everywhere. That's what I'm saying, like, that's what I'm saying, like, uh, is
0: it teleportation, or is it super fast, because, like... It's super fast. Yeah, I mean, like... Uh, cause yeah like cause he could just disappear without a trace like not even like a gust of wind but then at the same time he could bulldoze this guy literally into like a billion pieces
1: it's, it's making it's making fun of a trope that's been in Superman since like people really thought about it they were like well if he's flying that fast and he tries to catch Lois Lane wouldn't she like snap her spine or, like, have all these injuries. Make her blow up. And this movie... <laughs> this movie addresses it and they go, he pops, like, a pizza, uh, pizza roll in your mouth You just put a little bit of pressure and...
0: Oh, yeah. His... his viewers, his body parts were all over the lawn. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, anyway, so that leaves this other cop who's freaking out going, like, we need backup, we need backup, until he just manhandles her, throws her against the ceiling and the floor like a rag doll, and then yeah. she's done. Like...
1: So... So the mom's like trying to figure out, she's like, I got to kill him. She realizes that when they were in the barn the one night, he, Brendan fell uh, and landed on the ship. And that's when they told him that he was adopted, which, sorry, we skipped that scene. But, yeah, they tell him he's adopted, uh, not from an orphanage, but he, they found him in the woods and they adopted him as their son. Yeah, the little and the little subtle foreshadowing she, he, there. The, sh- the ship is kryptonite, so it cuts his hand. And by the way, the whistling at the beginning of the movie—I was like, they're going to use that at the end of the movie to find each other. Oh, you could have—you could um, have seen one movie in your life and know that was going to come yeah. back. So, so she goes, "I got to get a piece of the ship, and I got have to use it to stab him." So she jumps out the second-story window and she goes in the in the barn. She breaks off a piece of the ship. We find the lady's body that was in um at the diner because he took the carcass because early in the movie they find you know like soft core stuff under his it's mattress not dude it's not soft. it's not softcore it's underwear models. That's not softcore. Alright. That's like this that's well, like they, Sears they find, magazine. <laughs> they find the Victoria's Secret magazine under his bed and then they start finding like cut open bodies. <coughs> oh bless you. Sorry. They find <laughs> thank you. They find cut open bodies and uh then they're like, oh what is this? And then you see that the lady's down there by the ship and she's cut open and he's clearly dissecting her. And um. So she grabs a piece of the ship and she goes to stab him, and uh, she's like, they do the creepy whistle thing, and Brandon's like, you know, Brandon, she goes, I always loved you, and you'll always be my kid, and you're always my baby, no matter what. Hold on, let's not let's not and just gla- re- let's
0: not just glance over how actually really moving that moment was. Like that
1: was a really touching. This scene, was yeah. this was
0: such a, a, this was probably the I in my mind this probably had to have been like the hardest part for her as an actress to film because she knows he's done this, but. She yeah. knows that she's gotta do this to a son that she's been raising for 12 years, Yeah. always defended, told the cop to buzz off when he first came over and suspected him, and was in this Even state, when
1: she was positive that he had done it, she's like, I recognize that logo. The
0: state of denial that she completely sells through the whole film, now she has to look at her son, still pretend like that everything is okay, and then do the finishing move.
1: Like- Yeah. So she she raises her arm and Brandon catches it and then he s- sees that he can't trust anybody. So he shoots up while holding her into the sky and they go up to like the cruising altitude of uh, commercial jet oh, there's... and I'll explain why I'll explain why I used that reference in a second. And uh, they had this really touching moment where he just drops her. Oh, it's
0: it it is painful to watch. Like and this was what I was alluding to before. I was afraid that, like, when they went through the barn, she was still going to look just like normal. But thank God the makeup artist, somebody stood up and said, no, they went through how many pieces of wood and metal of the
1: top of the roof? Yeah. Like, she she they were, looked appropriately they like, look, cut up. They're like, look, we were smart enough to address that him hitting that guy flying at top speed would just pop him like a pimple. We have to address the fact that her going through a roof of a place is gonna give her some
0: cuts. Oh yeah, she looked. She looked like she went through a pane glass window. Like, I just. It's a little so, thing, but I, but massive kudos to that. Her makeup there looked amazing. So
1: after he drops her, he turns and you can hear a plane, and he turns and looks, and uh, he he looks at a jetliner coming at him, and it cuts the black. And I was like, ooh, I actually kind of hope this is sequel bait. But they they do deliver on it. It shows that the plane is destroyed and they're doing a news report. And it has the ending of the omen basically without the music, um, where they're like, the only people that lived, the only person that lived, everyone on the plane died and the parents died, but their son lived. He's sitting there drinking like hot chocolate on the back of an ambulance and then it goes to credits and shows him like terrorizing their town.
0: Well, that was ingenious of him because of it being a plane crash and there being so much wreckage. It didn't matter like what happened to where the mom landed like
1: and, it yeah. covered it and covered puts, up
0: all his pr- it covered up all his tracks so perfectly and he could just be like puts, i was in the right place in the house and nothing happened
1: he puts the bb on the plane and blood and because the only cop that noticed it and made a connection that it was a logo is dead no one catches on to yeah. it yeah but and then but, yeah man I,
0: yeah that's when he goes on I, that viral rampage in the credits to which I got it. To which I got it. I want. I got two notes. One, I'm actually very glad that this was a self-contained film. I kind of don't want a Brightburn two. I I'm okay, I'm okay I with this being just do. a single film.
1: Here's the thing. I want a Brightburn two, but if they never make a sequel, I will be completely okay with it.
0: I don't want a sequel just because, like, I mean, I would have to hear the pitch, but like my idea, like what I would fear would come out of a sequel would be like, okay, we got a Brightburn, and now we're getting a. Uh, a good version of this guy, and then it just becomes a stupid Superman actual parody then. Like, I don't want this yeah. to end up being like an origin story to the Brightburn universe, you know? Like, let's just enjoy yeah. this little gem being its own little thing. Like, cause I feel yeah. like that's probably how they pitch this. It's just like, oh, let's just do a one-off thing where we're making fun of superheroes, but we're doing it in a very serious way that like, it's kind of an inside joke that like, oh, haha, this is just Superman but evil.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, man. This but this was cool. I really loved this. Yeah. Movie. Did
0: you catch the cameo at the end, by the way?
1: Like literally, is in- that um, uh, was that Merle from uh, Walking Dead?
0: Uh, yeah, Michael Rooker, who was also I was gonna say, I was
1: like, man, that sounds like him, but I'm having a hard time making it out. They gave
0: him that ridiculous wig. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, that's like, uh, yeah. that's Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy and Merle from Walking Dead playing a kind of Alex Jones-type parody where he's just like, I told you guys, the Bright Bird is real! It's in the history, it was alluded to in the history, and we're doomed! Like, whatever he was saying. Um, but yeah, I thought that was hilarious that uh, probably James Gunn convinced him to help his brothers out and get in the movie. Um, but yeah, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, what were you saying for your final thoughts?
1: I was just gonna say, I, I loved this movie. I'm so glad it delivered uh, cause I was really worried because the, the thing is the movie theater I had to see it at was the same one I saw captive state and that I saw, uh, like pretty much every movie I've not been able to see at the super comfy theater has been a single cookie. And I was like, Oh no, I've got a really bad feeling. And, and since it was only in one theater, but this movie was awesome. Full pan. Like I said, the, the only issues I have with it literally are what would make it a, a pan with sprinkles. So go see it, phenomenal movie. I,
0: I do agree. Um, anything, like I said at the top, anything that I had issue-wise with it, it's not exactly forgiven, otherwise i give it sprinkles, but they're so easy to ignore with just how enjoyable this film is. Um, if this sounds like your cup of tea, you wanna see an evil Superman, you're going to get your cake and eat it too. This movie was a lot of fun and I'm extremely happy that we did end up seeing it. So uh, with that, uh, we are going to take a very brief break. I will be back solo to talk about um, Aladdin um, for my own little solo review. We haven't done that in a while. (laughs) Uh, So stay tuned. Hello, everybody. It is me, Dan, flying solo on this review of Disney's Aladdin, the latest of their series of live-action remakes. Uh, This one comes courtesy to us from Guy Ritchie, who you may know from a lot of his action films like uh, Rock and Rolla and Snatch and uh, that flop of a King Arthur remake from a year or two ago. Uh, He has been brought aboard the Disney... uh, the Disney train to bring Aladdin to life. Ah, uh, he co-wrote this with John August, who his writing credits include a lot of uh, more friendly family. Whose writing credits include a lot more family-friendly films like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Frankenweenie. Uh, so yeah, what do I think of this film? It's it kind of just doesn't really work that much for me um, the film itself does a, does an admirable job of trying to expand the story. Um, it does it in some ways that I would say is trying to modernize it a little bit. Um, there's, uh, a lot more awkward, um, running jokes, Then I remember kind of the kind of irreverent humor that I can't remember was really in the other film. Uh, Full disclosure, I did not watch the original Aladdin before seeing this, but I don't remember a lot of the kind of irreverent, crude humor that's in this film. Um, Not that I have a problem with it being in the film, it's just a lot of the jokes just kind of aren't funny. Um, And it's really to the detriment of uh, Aladdin himself, uh, played by uh, Mina Massoud. Uh, He just. Not just with the humor, he just, his whole performance is just so awkward and just so, just really not there. Like, and I can't even say that it's, they hired him just because he can sing, because they don't really even give him that many opportunities to sing either. He just, he's overacting this kind of clumsy goofball uh, from the streets like he's street smart but he's awkward and it's just not a performance I found really enjoyable in the film Um, and I guess sticking with the cast uh, obviously the big thing here in the film is uh, Will Smith replacing Robin Williams as the genie I honestly didn't have that big an issue with Will Smith as the genie I really didn't it didn't come off to me that he was trying to be Robin Williams. Like it felt to me that he was just kind of given this boilerplate description of who Genie is personality wise and just Will Smith being Will Smith with that kind of charisma that he has that he carries into more of his fun films versus like his serious roles. It works. It works for me. I didn't mind him at all. Uh, Visual effects wise, uh, he does look kind of goofy when he's all big and blue. Like that's kind of, kind of awkward to look at, but, um, he, he sings well, he has fun with the role. Um, I didn't like the opening song that they replaced, um, or the opening song they started with not replaced anything, but, uh, there's this weird opening song that he starts with that, uh, kind of does the rolling credits over it. i I didn't like that, but. When he sings uh, uh, Never Had a Friend Like Me and uh, the Prince Ali song, I thought those sequences were kind of cool. Like, uh, to Guy Ritchie's credit, he did a pretty good job directing those sequences, uh, but uh, outside of those two sequences in total, um, tying it back to what I was saying before, uh, the rest of the film just kind of doesn't really work. It doesn't... The way it's kind of fleshing out the story the way it wants to in this iteration, it just it's really slow. It doesn't um uh, it just doesn't have uh it just doesn't have anything that really like pushes the story along in a way that like is meaningful between moments that we recognize from the film because the the animated film was just a nice tight quick film, uh as far as I can remember, and um it just doesn't. These little moments with these guys, uh, really through the performances too. Just uh, the per the performances don't help the script. The script doesn't help the performances, and it just uh, it just kind of meanders. It's just kind of here. Uh, it doesn't really add anything substantial to justify why it needed to exist. Really, um, getting back to the rest of the cast though. Um, there's uh, Nassim Pedra- Pedrad from SNL, who is Jasmine's handmaiden. I kind of just wish she wasn't in the film. There's a whole B story about her and Will Smith, like uh, kind of liking each other, that just is really unnecessary. Um, there's not even a reason, like, Iago might as well have just not even talked in this film. I'm not even going to read who did the parrot voice. He really just sounded like a stereotype pirate parrot. He really just kind of was unnecessary to the film itself uh at least in terms of talking i mean he's kind of the seeing eye of jafar um but i mean there's no there's nothing worthwhile about him versus at least gilbert godfrey like he would say some clever quips um and then that is a perfect segue for me to talk about how much i can't stand the casting of jafar in this film he's played by uh marwan uh and he is one of the least menacing villains I've seen in a film in years. Everything about his performance is just laughably bad. I I cannot believe that he was casted in this role. I don't know what Guy Ritchie saw in this that came off as menacing or sinister. It's just so... It's more cartoony than the actual cartoon. It's just not a good performance in any way. Uh... And then, uh, I guess the one good casting choice, uh, in this film besides Will Smith, uh, is Naomi Scott. I gotta give an enormous shout out to Naomi Scott in this film, because this, her playing Jasmine is one thing that this film got right besides Will Smith. The way it expanded her character role, giving her a more fleshed out, a more, uh, it's the only thing that had really any substance to it, um giving her a voice, giving her that, that female empowerment that um, is in a lot of films now in a really good way. Um, I loved her performance. Her kind of I Won't Be Silent song was kind of uh, not great, but um, I was all on board with her performance. I loved her as Jasmine. She was the only person that had any great comedic timing. I mean, Will Smith in more scenes than not, I guess, but um, she was the only believable dramatic performance I saw in this film. I just... it Honestly, if the film was going to redo the story as much as it did, um, I kind of wish it kinda was just all about Jasmine, really. Like, that's not Aladdin. Obviously, Aladdin is the title character, but I just... She was just... She commanded the screen so much, and I cared about her more than anyone else in this film. Uh, kudos to her. She was uh, phenomenal. She saves this film from getting my lowest rating, honestly. Um, so... I guess in closing, uh, it's definitely not a great film. I mean, it looks fine. Obviously, Disney put a lot of money into this. The visual effects look good, except for, again, Will Smith just kind of looks awkward as a big blue guy um, in the scenes that he is blue. Um, But the rest of the visual effects look decent. The sets look honestly good. The costumes are extravagant and colorful, as they should be. Um, Abu looks really good. Iago looks really good. Um. Again, though, just the pacing and all of the extra little awkward bits of humor, um, are really bad. Um, and they're they're so prominent through the normal story beats of the animated film that like, it kind of takes away from the majesty of just seeing like, oh my gosh, it's a, there's a it's a whole new world and there's the prince Ali. Like, and those little moments are kind of nice just in the moment, but like, in isolated incidences, but the in the scope of the rest of the film, it's not really worth sitting through the rest of this just for those little moments of seeing them live versus animated, or at least I just, I didn't get anything from them. Like maybe if I saw them as like music videos, like little isolated music videos, uh, I get more out of it from that. But, um, but no, just this film as a whole really, really doesn't work. Um, uh, kudos to Will Smith and Naomi Scott for giving it their all though. um, on our scale of uh, full brownie pan sprinkles to a raisin cookie, um, the only reason I'm not giving this a raisin cookie is because of uh, Will Smith and Naomi Scott. Uh, Aladdin's getting a single brownie from me, and uh, this continues the streak of Guy Ritchie just not working for me. I, there's not really any films I like from him. Snatch is the closest thing to liking any of his films that I've seen. Uh, yeah, come at me. I don't think Snatch is that great. I don't like the Sherlock Holmes films either with Robert Downey Jr. in them. And I just overall didn't like this. Uh, yeah, that's my uh, that's my hot take on uh, Aladdin 2019. Uh, we will be right back with our time machine trip to 2002 to talk about the Zhang Yimou film Hero starring Jet Li. All right, everybody, welcome back. Nick and I just landed in 2002, and we are going to talk about the Zhang Yimou film, Hero. It was released in 2002 in China and Hong Kong. However, it did not get released technically in America until 2004. Uh, This was because of... um, Some issues that the Weinstein brothers, uh, who owned Miramax at the time, they bought the film back in 2002, but then, for their own reasons, just kept delaying and delaying and delaying the release. And then it took not only China and uh, their corporate owners, Disney, to convince them to release the film. Quentin Tarantino, their then best friend, uh, which whom they released... All of his filmography up to two, three years ago, it took all of them to convince the Weinsteins to release Hero to general audiences in America. And when it did, they realized the mistake they made in delaying it because it was legitimately number one in the box office. And it's one of the very rare occasions that a foreign film from any country is number one in the American box office. And it held that position two weeks in a row. And I reappraising it myself. This is probably close to like, maybe, maybe the 10th time or so that I've seen this film since 2004. And I mean, I I'll get more into detail in it when we get talking. Uh, I, right off the bat I'm giving it a full brownie pan with sprinkle still I could watch this movie over and over and over again I love Jet Li I love the whole ensemble I think the film is visually spectacular um since watching the film like the first time I didn't know it was based on a true story um but I mean once I realized it was and today when I reminded myself like about the story it was based on I uh, it just it just adds so so much more rich texture to the film that I didn't appreciate at the time when I was younger. Um, Nick, you hadn't seen this film before, right? Uh,
1: just what'd you no, think about I'd it? I'd seen the poster and that's about it.
0: what did you, what'd you think about it? Are you happy that I asked you to watch this?
1: <sighs> Man, your streak of picking movies that I can't stand watching uh, ended. This movie was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, I will admit I'm not a uh, kung fu like aficionado. Um, it's not a genre. It's not a like I don't avoid the genre, but it's not a genre that when I hear it's coming out I get excited for really. Um, I grew up. My dad was really big on Jackie Chan movies, um, and the only thing I really remember is just fight scenes from. I don't really remember much else. And then um, he liked uh, the Rush Hour movies. Um, so we watched those a bunch and then um, Kung Fu Hustle and whatever the Steve Odenkirk, uh, Steve Odenkirk movie was where he had the talking tongue and he fought a cow. Um, <laughs> Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, but other than that, I really didn't watch too many Kung Fu movies. And when this first started, I was I was sitting there and I was I didn't hate it but I was sitting there and I was like I am honestly having a hard time figuring out if I'm gonna be able to get past the style um and I did uh I don't know how far into the movie it was but there was at some point it just grabbed me it was really weird I just because I, for the uh, first chunk of time I was kind of like all right I don't know if I can I like it. It's neat. There's some things that are over the top. I yeah. You know, I was I was on the fence, and then just randomly it grabbed me and it hooked me. It was really good. Um, the only complaint I have is the version I watched was on Netflix, so it wasn't an English dub. They just had English subtitles, and I really wish I had one that was it or had seen an English dub of it, um, just because I feel like I missed some things in the movie by trying to read all the dialogue. Um, and that's, that's a really, I, I don't even really know if that's a complaint of the movie because it's not that the movie did anything wrong. It's just, it, I don't unders I don't speak that language, um, that I saw it in. So, um, uh, if I saw an English dub of this, I probably would have liked it even more than I did. But for me, this is a full pan with sprinkles. Uh, it was, it was really cool. You mean you don't
0: speak full Mandarin Chinese?
1: I know shocker right <laughs> uh,
0: I, I do feel you there like I had the benefit of watching this film um, I believe the first time I watched it was on DVD um, with English uh, as the language and then um, showing off my gray beard a little bit I watched it on my PlayStation uh, portable my PSP because um, when they released it um, UMDs were a big deal and um i can't remember if it was a launch title or not but i remember when hero was on umd i like freaked out and had to buy it and i watched it multiple times on my playstation portable too (laughs) so i like i said i have seen this film multiple times um this this may be like my second time watching it actually in mandarin because i watched i watched like you two i just watched on netflix and i was a little surprised it was only in mandarin but um, I and knew I knew I knew the dialogue enough that, like, I could occasionally just glance away from the subtitles and still remember what's going on.
1: And it's it's not even like I'm not I don't want it to sound like I'm like, this movie was garbage because it was in a foreign language. That's, oh, that's no, not no. What I mean, oh, I'm, no, I'm no, no, saying, no, not at like, all. I, I think my viewing experience would have been better had I been able to listen to it instead of staring at the bottom of the screen and reading stuff, because I feel like there might have been uh, facial cues or other visual cues that I just missed because I was looking at the bottom of the screen, reading the words. Um, and there were a couple instances, uh, in this one where they would talk and the subtitle wouldn't come up for a while. And then it did come up. It was on the screen for half a second, but it was like two sentences. And then they went to the next one. It was like, I, I don't know what was said. Um, yeah, I know noticed... I could, I could follow it well enough when, when that happened, the, the couple times that it did, that it wasn't really all that bad. Um, but, yeah, it was cool. The, uh, uh, the, all the, the fighting, it was funny. Because in the beginning, like, when I was having a hard time figuring out if I could get past the style, um, the storytelling style I didn't have an issue with at any point. Um, in terms of, like, you know, they're kind of speaking, not necessarily in Riddle, but they're speaking, they're speaking... And even though they're having a conversation, they're speaking in a way where it's like, this is bigger than this conversation. Uh, I didn't have an issue with that. Um, The only thing that I had, that was like, I was like, I don't know if I can get past this style, was the first couple fight scenes. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot they clearly use wires for a lot of action in these movies because <laughs> he like they'll be like all right right, he's got to jump in the air after after landing and instead of like landing with both feet and then like springboarding into action like his tippy toe touches the ground and he like jumps 45 feet in the air i was like what oh
0: but like that's, that's... but i got i
1: got used to that really quick
0: yeah no that's kind of commonplace i mean um uh, not that i'm more of an not that much more of an expert than you i i definitely don't have that much more experience when it comes to martial arts films, um, than you, but I'm, I'm aware of, um, that being a really prominent, um, really prominent feature when it comes to these action sequences where gravity and physics logic just don't apply. Like, and I kind of, and honestly, I kind of like that, like, especially in that first sequence where Nameless is fighting Sky and Dude, that's when I we're liked... inter- that's when we're introduced to the we d- we stared at each other and then
1: we just fought in our minds like I really liked Sky's uh weapon too the I, I don't okay I don't want to seem like culturally insensitive I'm not trying to be I I just don't know the name of this weapon so I'm going to call it what it looked like to me uh the wiggle sword You mean um, a spear? <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't call that a spear
0: that well that's what they called it like oh they did yeah when the king, oh. yeah when uh the king when uh the king of quinn uh was looking at all the blades he picked up skies first and he said sky spear
1: oh i thought he said sky's blade but okay yeah it's, it's well spear, it was, it's, the, a spear, it was the, it's a spear yeah it was, uh, it was that the fight blade scene his... was really cool
0: yeah it i i love that sequence like honestly like I kind of felt bad that he kind of got shortchanged in terms of screen time because that actor had such a screen presence. Like, yeah. I kind of wish there was a little more to him, but at the same time, like, it wasn't about him. Like, he really was just a not a pawn, but, like, he was just a smaller piece of this bigger puzzle. Like, if the movie had any shortcomings at all, like, any extra amount of screen time where... We had enough screen time to have literally like three different versions of Nameless Colluding with uh Flying Snow and Broken Sword. Like we yeah, couldn't get, we couldn't get any extra dialogue portion. with Sky. We couldn't get any dialogue with Sky
1: like Yeah. But I mean the uh the other one of the other fight scenes, the other fight scene that really stuck out to me as being cool was um when he's telling the story of broken sword and S- snow was that her name snow uh broken sword and flying snow flying snow um when uh broken sword gets killed in the first story and then moon is trying to avenge his death i love that moon is fighting a very um like a very anger and rage filled fighting style And is, you know, constantly on the attack. And then uh, Falling Snow is kind of, uh, like, kind of, like, gliding backwards. And just, her defense is just moving out of the way. Like, she's not actually blocking any shots. She's just, like, sliding backwards. I thought that was really, really cool.
0: Yeah, it was a very, in that spinning of the version of the story, like, it still had a little bit of, like... She was trying to hold it together. She didn't want to fight Moon. Like, that very passive, like, and I even, when you texted me that you got to that part of the film, like, I just kind of laughed. And it was just, um, and I said that watching it now, like, cause I can't remember if I really watched, I can't remember if I watched this film really when memes were a big deal. But to yeah. me, to me, like, especially the shot of, like, her flying in the trees and Moon's just screaming behind her, I was just like, this is such. <laughs> This is such a meme of just, like, me running away from my responsibilities. Like. (laughs) uh, Yeah. But no, that was a beautiful sequence, too. And, like, between that and then the truth and then more of the truth, um, you had to have noticed the color palette drastically changing between every single story like here's
1: here's the thing i noticed the color palette changing a lot and i knew it, it was symbolic to something i just couldn't pick up what the symbolism was like i thought i was like that's symbolic of something but i gotta read this and i just like went back to looking at the looking at the words yeah
0: um, well i mean i'm not i'm not a color theorist per se either um but i watching it this time like i tried to like more read into like why was the first story red why was the second story uh was it uh no not blue um or was it blue green or green well no green was when broken sword was talking about the his perspective of the relationship between him and flying snow and then we finally get the reveal of what the first assassination attempt was like when he stopped and broken snow was just like we had a shot at killing the King of Quinn, but somebody didn't go through with it. Like (laughs) I
1: I liked that the King in the, in the first story uh, that nameless tells, he says that broken sword and falling snow uh, are very bitter towards each other. And then uh, the King goes, you underestimate you underestimate me because I remember when I fought them, they're very happy with each other and very content. And they they never, they didn't hate each other, so I know that's a lie. And then uh, it turns out that they really, in the end, he goes, you're underestimating someone me, and it turns out they actually are, like, resenting each other. I thought that was uh, pretty cool.
0: Yeah, like, the way that, like, he, like, that was such a great reveal, because, like, the plot was moving so fast at the start, like... Watching it this time again, it was just, like, how did I not pick up that, like, um, the sequence with Sky was so fast, and then, oh, like, uh, Broken Sword just got killed so fast out of nowhere, and then Snow is in just such an emotional rot. Like, of course she can't fight, like, but then that's it, like, that's only maybe, like, 30 minutes into the film, like. Yeah. So then going from there into slowly peeling back like an onion, like what the actual truth was. Like it was such a, that was such a beautiful way to, to tell the story and back to the narration of it too. Like I love that the narrative framework of this was just a conversation between two people and setting up the flashbacks like that. Like, yeah. And then intercutting it between like the King interpreting what he thought it was And then cutting back to, oh, well, actually, this is what really happened. Like kind of kind of simultaneously, like, is this real or is this the truth? No,
1: this is the truth. One of the things with the king that I really liked too, was I liked uh, the candle flames like.
0: Oh, like the 300 some candles he had in front of him.
1: Yeah, that were, like, not just blowing in the wind, but, like, the behavior of the flame was in- indicative of, like, would help him make, this de- not make decisions, but come to conclusions about things. Um, and uh, the other thing, too, uh, that I thought was really neat was when he talks about, you know, after the first assassination attempt, he uh became very kind of paranoid of being assassinated, so he took everything out. I liked when... They showed the first assassination attempt that it was just his view was obscured by all the drape uh, drapery he had in there and all the uh, cloths he had hanging down. Um, I liked that it wasn't like, oh, yeah, he was he was, uh, you know, he was he just was very greedy and he had like a bunch of things like armor and pottery. And they're like, no, no, he just had drapes and it made it hard to see like i li I liked that it was simple,
0: yeah, I see you're, I see what you're saying, like I thought that was cool too, like like it's impressive at the beginning, like just the introduction of like his chambers, and you would just presume, like, oh, of course he's the king, he's got all this space just because he's the king, like why wouldn't he have a giant chamber, but then, yeah, yeah him revealing that he did drape it all out. But then that kind of, to his own detriment, almost got him killed. Like Yeah. And then just, to the again, that beauty of that sequence where just kind of, not dancing, but um, him freaking out, cutting down everything. And then at the moment when it looked like he was going to get killed, like intercutting between the blade against his neck and then some drapes falling. And then Broken Sword pulls it away and then more drapes fall. And then it's that wide shot of just the emptiness and just the yeah. drapes
1: slowly settling.
0: Like just there's so many things like that. So many shots and like that in this film the, that are the other gorgeous. thing too that thing too was
1: you liked was you know, the drapes represent the people represent you people the you or took way was took it was the drapes represent having people represent you that you you that you trust and, uh, once he got paranoid he started pushing people started pushing people away. Like, his his guards were the only ones around him, but he didn't really let anyone close to him. So those uh, drapes fall, fallings kind of symbolizes everyone that he loved being close to him, being pushed away. I... To me, that's what it meant to me.
0: It's uh, I mean, it's... I didn't quite... I mean, I kind of come... Yeah, I mean, I do kind of see what you're getting at with that. I mean, I don't personally necessarily see it quite like that because I didn't... It didn't seem like the king had, like, that many kind of personal stakes in terms of, like... I mean, he did note that... Wait, you took down Broken Sword and Flying Snow when my 3,000 men couldn't?
1: Like, yeah. I mean, in that sense, yeah. I get where you're going at. Speaking of his 3,000 men, I liked, I liked uh, when his archers would, like, draw their bows and everything and be ready to fire. That... The sound of all the bows coming to tension is essentially the uh, super old timey version of a shotgun, uh, pump shotgun being cycled once. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, really? Yeah, because uh, the shotgun is the ch sound. And then the scene that's supposed to be intimidating at the end of the movie, all the archers are drawing their bows, and you can hear all of the bows come to tension.
0: Oh, see I not being a gun fishing auto like we said last week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't register the sound like that. Like to me when it came to the archers, like when we first see them in uh Zhao, wasn't that the city? Um I
1: couldn't keep track of um,
0: that. Well the calligraphy school. Um Yeah. That, that they, was cool too. Oh my god. When they got there and nameless is talking about Uh, Quinn's army is undefeated because they never underestimate their enemy they always treat them the same way at the time like I mean still even now watching it again just it is jaw-dropping how much how many real actors there were how many costumes that are identical how many bows how many arrows like the actual scale of that is yeah, just dude, so there's impressive. There's not a lot of
1: CG in this movie, and if and if there is CG, it's pretty much just projectiles.
0: It is very hard to tell where the CG is in this film. Like, I don't know what the crowd replication technology was back yeah. then.
1: I'm <laughs> except, sure, except for the flames, you can kind of tell the flames are CGI.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously the arrows were too. Yeah, but um. But no, uh, or oh, oh, and when Sky made the, um, <laughs> when Sky used the the not feathers, but um, he had that uh, decoration on his blade, and he made the water spin that yeah. uh, that Nameless ran through before stabbing him. I mean, obviously, but yeah. Um, but no, I just want to talk about the the calligraphy house for a minute. Just that sequence right there at the beginning, just the barrage of arrows that they fired on that place.
1: Oh, my God. Like, I when when the old man comes in and all the people are trying to get out, I was like, he's about to do the most cliche thing possible with this scene. And then he does it. And I was like, he pulls it off. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, my God. When I... He just sits down and all the arrows are flying by and they can't hit him because apparently they're fired by stormtroopers. And uh, he just sits down and starts doing calligraphy. And everyone's like, all right, we got to go sit back down and do this. Oh, my. I loved I
0: loved what he said when he walked in. Like, yeah you can, they they can kill us, but they can't kill our written word. You're gonna learn the true power of your craft today like i dude i was I was stirred by that. I was just like all right where's where's my pen let's go like <laughs> yeah. and even still, did you pay attention to like how many people actually did end up getting hit like
1: there's a couple there was one very clear headshot like <laughs> i don't I didn't see the headshot I saw the one that was in the middle of the person's back,
0: yeah, there was that one um. I'm trying to remember, like it was like, kind of center left of the screen, but no, someone straight up like on the top of the head and just fell over. (laughs) I was just like, oh good lord, like that was probably the most graphic violence in the film was when that headshot happened. Uh, Because I mean, that was I also kind of, I also kind of admire that this film wasn't particularly graphic. Like
1: yeah, there's a little bit of blood. Pretty small usage of blood for people that are being cut.
0: Yeah, like with so much sword play. Um, yeah. Oh, and before we get away from the calligraphy house, uh, one of my favorite shots was um, sword uh, practicing his calligraphy and his um, his stick. Like a better word, I don't. What he was using to practice in the sand yeah. when that yeah. got cut in half, and then he just mirac- then he just threw
1: catches an arrow.
0: Yeah, he just has like uh, he's just got some psychic sense to just be like and snatch. He just breaks off the spear end and just keeps going with it, like
1: <laughs> speaking of sword in the calligraphy house, they have one of the most awkward romantic scenes in a movie ever in this.
0: I don't know how, why awkward I would say it's just not like it's, it's... the
1: sa- is the sound <laughs> it's like, <"Ugh>, man, stop <laughs> <laughs> like, at least it please weren't... take this scene out. It doesn't really need to be in here. We get it. He's having an affair with uh moon. Instead of instead of being loyal to his wife, Snow, I I kind of got the tension. You don't really need to embellish anything, please.
0: It wasn't that graphic, at least though, and it lasted like. Yes,
1: it wasn't graphic. It's strictly based on the sound because the sound is weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did laugh at the um, like this is partly why. I, well, I mean, it would be nice to know Mandarin, but um, I kind of laughed at um what Netflix dubs. After the fact, when he ran over to Snow, and he was just like, I don't love you anymore. And I meant for you to see that. Like, they wrote it, like, (laughs) as bluntly as that. Yeah. And part of me wondered if, like, uh, was he really saying it like that? Like.
1: (laughs) Well, the other thing, too, that I think is interesting is, you know, as much as I had to read and i couldn't understand the words the body language that i saw in the especially the acting with their faces is really good the scene at the end where um uh broken axe is uh like it's after he's stabbed and he's kneeling uh when he says i i always wanted to go home with you i was like this is one of the saddest things i've ever seen
0: Oh, after after Snow stabs him for, like, the actual, real time.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. was... he... Like, they're, they're having a fight because... Uh, uh, Sword doesn't want him to kill the king, and he explains why. But that Snow was... does. Yeah. And uh, when Snow realizes that Nameless didn't kill the king, she wants to fight... Uh, she wants to fight Sword... And sword, as they're fighting, she's lunging towards him. Sword can easily parry what she's gonna do, and it looks like he's gonna because uh, he's he's one of the swordsmen in the movie that continuously spins the blade in his hand and turns his sword the other way, and it looks like he's gonna spin it the other way and parry up, and then as she goes past him, stab her in the back. But instead, he just drops his sword and lets her stab him in the chest. Yeah. Um. So as he's die, like that scene's really well acted. Dude, the whole last,
0: like, 15 minutes of the film, like, from when um, Nameless, uh, with his surgeon-like blade, stabs Snow, quote-unquote, um, and then he finds Broken Sword, like, from that he point... He didn't stab him. Huh? He didn't stab him. No, when Nameless finds Broken Sword. Oh, yeah. After he stabs Snow, and he finds bro- he finds Broken Sword, and... Uh, honestly that scene where he's convincing him not to do it and then writes our land in the sand, like him explaining, like when he tells that story, when he tells the story about that, um, it wasn't the assassination attempt then. Right. Like, am I getting my scenes mixed up? Um, no. Oh no. It was just a general flashback to like how much he loves snow. And then he says, okay, well you like my calligraphy. I'm going to leave you with two words. And he writes our land Mm-hmm. uh oh my god like that alone was so touching like i'm i uh, i'm trying to i'm gonna pull his name up right here just because i want to commend him by his actual name because he um oh tony chowai Lung, um I that dude you have trouble with english names i know <laughs> uh tony tony Lung. <laughs> let's say um oh my god tony was so amazing in this film yeah. Um I mean honestly Jet Li was amazing too and then the king uh, was really good. Maggie Maggie uh Chung was great too. Um the woman that played Moon uh uh Zai Zhang uh she's actually she actually is one of the stars like leading roles uh in House of the Flying Daggers which came out after this. And then uh Dao Ming Chen is uh who played the king and honestly uh oh and guess who played Sky? Who? Donnie Yen. No, I, I don't know. Donnie Yen was uh the guy with the machine gun in Rogue One. Huh? Okay. Yeah, and he's the star of uh Ip Man or IP Man, I'm not sure the right way to. Have you seen <laughs> the Ip Man series? No. Okay. Well, I mean you remember him as the the guy with that big machine gun in Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's um Yeah, I completely forgot that he was Sky. Like, no wonder I was so enamored with him. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, no, honestly, the entire ensemble was so good. But my favorite bit of acting was honestly from Tony right then, like all the way through the rest of the film when he's talking to Nameless. And then when the same scene that you just talked about when he's talking to Snow uh, and then lets, lets her kill him. Yeah. And then the way narratively how it actually did affect Nameless because he's like When the King rallies is so you've come all this way, you let all these guys put their lives in your hand just to risk your ten pace attack that's fatal against me. Well, you got this far, go for it. And then nameless, it actually got to him, and he lets the king live.
1: Like Yeah. Cause the, God, cause the message the message of it is you know the ki- the king is trying to unify the land, and as bad as the war is, the result of the war is ultimately better and the and what he's trying to do is actually for a good cause, so as much as everyone wants him dead, it's really best for him to be left alive yeah and... for as
0: for as much pain as it will inflict, and nameless at it best you're a lot of people are going to die because of what you do, but for the sake of the greater I he good. Said a
1: lot of people are gonna die because of what I did.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, for what I did. A lot of yeah. people are gonna die for what I did, but for the sake of the greater picture, for the bigger picture, paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna kill you. And then he just drops yeah. and then he just drops his sword and just allows himself to be executed. Yeah. But did you appreciate that little moment when the king actually hesitated because he was so moved by nameless and sky like through nameless. Yeah. Um, and stemming from, uh, the moment when he actually cried earlier in the film, when he was just like, Oh my God, for being such a ruthless assassin, I can't believe somebody like broken sword actually
1: understood what I'm trying to do. Like, and it's a guy he's only met once. And that one time the guy was trying to kill him yeah and then stop like honestly i almost cried right then
0: too watching it today i was just like jesus like this is actually way heavier than i appreciated before like um,
1: it's no avengers Endgame. i didn't cry (laughs) (laughs) um
0: there's a lot of truth in this film too like it actually is inspired by um it actually is inspired by uh uh chinese history um while I was doing just some research beforehand, like China was really divided into these, uh, -hmm. six, seven, uh, individual, like, uh, kingdoms, territories. Um, and Quinn was, um, actually the one trying to unify them. That King is actually the guy who became the first emperor of unified China. Yeah. Um, nameless is a kind of, Nameless is kind of, sort of, based on a real guy, from what I could tell, but... What was his name? Um, <laughs> it was, um, it's... Uh, I, I was I, just making fun of his name being Nameless. <laughs> um, well, according to Wikipedia, um, it's loosely based on, uh, Jing Ke's uh, assassination attempt on, hmm. uh, uh, it says King of Quinn in 227 B.C., but, um...
1: That was uh, one of the things I thought was kind of f- uh f- like funny odd in the movie was they kept saying that you know he was there for an assassination attempt. I was like he's just sitting in front of him talking like at no point is he like trying to kill him well, like, I'm used to assassination attempts being like you know like Kennedy and Lincoln well <laughs> he know, didn't like he... a guy shooting and actually trying to kill him, not like a guy talked to him,
0: well yeah he. I mean, there was a bit more elegance to it. Like, he had to get in some way, so he... Should his story have worked the first time without the king knowing Sky and Broken Sword better than he actually did, like, he could have, like, lunged, took his sword, and did whatever. Like... Yeah. I mean, within ten steps, I mean, we saw in the library, like, um, when he destroyed all the scrolls, and he was just like, how far am I away from the... How far am I away from these and broken swords just like uh I guess 10 steps yeah. and then he did that awesome throw the cup in the air and then he caught the cup like yeah. <laughs> I did kind of laugh at that a little bit. I was like, "Mm, okay, this is kind of, okay, okay movie. That's a little on the nose, but <laughs> it was still it was, I mean it was still kind of cool."
1: Yeah.
0: Outside of that though, I loved all the martial arts in this film. I I loved all the cinematography.
1: Um yeah, it's it's beautifully shot like the the imagery in the movie is beautiful yeah that's it's it's honestly too bad it was shot at a time where hd didn't exist well what this needs is a
0: 4k remaster like yeah. what they need to do with this is take um
1: easy easy rider kind of suffered from the same thing when we watched it where i was looking at it I was like man i wish as much as i hated the over like And that movie, the over setup of like, look at this, they're riding motorcycles, look how beautiful the American West is, like, that movie and this movie, I, I, at many times watching it, I was like, man, I wish this was a better quality film, because I'd love to see this in high definition.
0: Well, uh, well, we both watched Easy Rider on Hulu, and we both watched this on Netflix, and, um... I can assure you that the Easy Rider Criterion Edition, if we watch that instead, I guarantee you that looks better than whatever Hulu had. Um, but, no, I I was shocked at the quality of, again, we're just spending about half this podcast just bashing Netflix. <laughs> um, no, this was not a great transfer. Like, I would love to see, like, a 4K restoration where they take the film negative... Uh, recolor correct it uh balance out the grain a little bit uh redo the the sound mix to it like this would be a perfect film to give a full 4k like restoration to because it would honestly like it would look so good like i love restorations of film more than like a 4k film that came out this year because like a film that's shot this year like if you don't look good like that's on you like no restoration is going to fix it but like because of the painstaking process like back then where i mean clearly this was shot in film in the early thousands like taking those film negatives and reappraising it with the technology that we have now dude a 4k restoration of this film would be absolutely breathtaking
1: this would uh this would be a pretty cool uh double feature with john like the john wick series um especially the later movies just for the stunt choreography.
0: Uh it's very it's kind of different though. Like John Wick is very hands-on, very fast, very kinetic and this is very like like how what Nameless was saying was like
1: But that but that's what I'm getting at though is, you know, you take you take a more combat style action movie and then you take a more fantastical um kung fu movie and pair them together like back to back i think it'd be an interesting watch.
0: Hmm. No that yeah, no that is actually not a bad idea. Like like the freneticness of the combat versus like the poetic the poetic almost like a dance like beauty yes. behind. Yeah. Well, um, it's like
1: it's like you were saying in the calligraphy thing too about how the cuz you know, they they obviously treat their writing way more artistically than you know english
0: well yeah that's why he.
1: I, i'll be honest with you i have horrible handwriting <laughs> and it's just abysmal and watching them work on their calligraphy i was like man this is art to them and it's their alphabet well yeah that's why he wanted that's why he wanted
0: snow to write the word sword because he he knew or he in his mind knew that he could study uh, uh, sword better through his calligraphy and the motion that he would go through and having to paint an eight-foot scroll, yeah. getting his body language for something that complex. like, um, And then same with, um, I don't want to bypass this, um, he said something really to the same degree right off the bat with Sky when, um, I don't know what the name of that instrument was, but when the musician was playing that instrument uh while they were fighting in oh, the Oh
1: I I don't know what it is. is this, it's basically like a Chinese lap guitar. I don't know what it is, but that's basically what it is.
0: Yeah, when they were when he was playing that while they were in the chess house, um he said that um sword sword not sword play, but um uh combat with swords and music both follow yeah. the same kind of intricate rhythms and melodies yeah. within each other so um that kind of just i don't know that extra layer of just uh the elements of like what the style of combat is and like really honing not just i can hold this tight and swing it hard like yeah the, the real elegance behind what it means to actually be a warrior like to the degree kind that of... like you want to go with it like how sword wanted to Didn't want to assassinate anybody, actually. Anyway, but then Nameless was going into this with so much rage, and Snow with so much rage. Like, yeah, I don't know. Just um, it just added so much more meaning to it to me versus just like your normal like shoot them up. Like,
1: you're normal. They killed my puppy. I'm gonna kill everyone.
0: Well, that's good enough motivation in itself. I mean, if you kill an, I mean, if anyone, if anyone harmed any of my cats, I'd probably go, I'd probably go ape on them too. Like John. But obviously I don't have the training <laughs> he did. But um yeah. uh, did you know um that this was nominated for an Academy Award? Uh for what? This was nominated um I'm just verifying the year. Yeah. This was nominated uh actually in two thousand in two thousand two. So this got nominated for an Academy Award before America actually got to see it. Um hmm. Uh, the 2003 ceremony uh, which honors the 2002 films uh, this was china's submission for best foreign language film and um it lost um i'm trying to pull up who it lost to um but it made me it makes me very happy that it was nominated cuz um oh this is the year chicago won best picture if you didn't know either hmm. um it lost to where is it? Scroll, scroll, scroll. This is great radio. <laughs>
1: Curse of La Llorona.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, god. That no. That movie shouldn't.
1: That movie should win all the Razzies. Was <laughs> it Nacho? Lib- was it Nacho Libre? What was the? Nacho Libre. <laughs> <laughs> the Jack Black wrestling one.
0: Yeah, that was that, that was Nacho Libre. Um, oh my goodness. Why can't I find it? This is so much harder than it should be. But. It's almost maybe here. Uh, I can cut all. The, I can cut all this dead air out. It lost to. Here we go. It lost to nowhere in Africa. Hashtag worth the wait. <laughs> uh, it was a German film that I have actually not seen. Nah, <laughs> not seen. <laughs> um, Jesus. But anyway. Uh, but no, I. I mean, I don't. I don't really have much else to say about that. I mean, it's... I feel
1: I feel bad saying saying that, too, because I like this so much better than the last two movies we reviewed, but or the last two time machines we did that that you picked. Um, well, you put me through Wedding Crashers last week, so I think we're
0: I think we're oh, back to even
1: Oh, it was short
0: i (laughs) i dude this dude this was shorter than wedding crashers
1: yeah no but i beg i begged you to pick a short movie because we're on a really tight time schedule this week
0: yeah i'm just saying we're back at we're back to even ground because i hated wedding crashers and uh you hated easy Rider and bill and ted and
1: (laughs) (laughs) i hated three movies you hated one that was shorter i that doesn't make us even
0: Well, get me back with whatever, wherever we go to next week. Um, To which then, um, again, I give this... Go see
1: this. This is amazing.
0: Yeah, this is currently on Netflix. Um, I actually just this morning looked at what's leaving Netflix uh, next month in two weeks, uh, or in less than a week. Uh, This is not leaving next month, so uh, find some time between now and the month of June. Please watch this. Both of us give it a full brownie pan with sprinkles, Uh, right? You said sprinkles at the top.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, this is this is really an amazing film. Um I it's neither of the uh House of Flying Daggers or The Curse of the Golden Flower are streaming at the moment for free, but if you have a way to find those two, I personally recommend those. They're both these three films that he made in the early to late thousands are all spectacular. Uh Nick, I the minute Cur- uh House of Flying Daggers is streaming, I'm going to let you know. Okay. Um cuz it is a little better than curse the golden flower if you only have time for one of them uh but yeah with that uh we're gonna hop back into the time machine head back to 2019 and we will let you know about our huge week that we are going to have next week all right guys that is it for this week's episode of brownie points thank you so much for listening Uh, Huge shout out as always to Isla Marfin from Fugue for the music. Uh, (laughs) We always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, Like I said uh, earlier in the show, next week we have an enormous episode. We have three movies that we're going to be go seeing in theaters. So in lieu of that, we are not going into the time machine. We're going to go get its oil changed. uh, Check check the lights.
1: Ironically, we do not have time for the time machine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that irony does not escape us. Um, so, what are we going to see in theaters this week? You might ask. We are going to go see Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Rocket Man, the biopic about Elton John, and then we are going to see the horror film Ma, starring Octavia Spencer. And yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a good one, guys. We're really excited for it. Uh, so. With that, give us a rating on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Let everybody know uh, that we exist. If they love movies, hopefully they'll uh, spread the word and continue to spread us like a plague until we're number one on iTunes or Spotify everywhere. We want to take over the (laughs) podcast world, if it's not obvious. Um, Nick, uh, in terms of uh, communicating with us, uh, how can people do that?
1: Uh, follow us on Facebook, Brownie Guide to Cinema at gmail.com, and our Twitter handle, handle uh, Brownie underscore Cinema. Uh, the logos—the best way to know it's us. The logos are the bowl of popcorn with the brownie in it. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema and uh we basically upload every episode as a video it's just the audio with the logo as the as the picture for the video and then uh we also have a email address send us send us your thoughts on movies we should do thoughts on topics we should do for op-ed segments uh or just send us some ideas uh for stuff or we want to hear from you guys you know we've not really heard from anybody yet we just want to get some feedback or hear from you guys let us know that we're not just talking in the wind uh, brownie points guide to cinema at gmail.com here is my weekly apology for how bad of an email address that is um but yeah that's all of our social media outlets and ways to reach us
0: all right and with that that is it for this week's episode we'll see you for our triple header next week have a good one bye everybody You mean you don't speak full Mandarin Chinese? I know, shocker, right?